Good day, I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, hey, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you won't miss any of our upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Polstering Press for this great studio. Hey, Patrick. Hey, good morning, Mark. How are you this morning? I'm, <laughs> I'm, staying, I'm just curious. I'm staying dry because I'm in a basement. And uh, it's, it is, <laughs> this is a very dry studio, and it's not. Uh, and each of our guests keeps coming in uh, more and more Soaking drenched. wet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, I want to give a shout-out. Um, I, I like this new part because I, I have so many people writing me telling me, how much they liked listening to the show. I got a note this morning from Australia. I've heard of it. Yes. And uh, Pia, who was on our show, oh, yeah. now has like all of these, All her whole network is now listening to the show. Oh, that's great. Which is great. So this is a shout out to Pia and all our friends in Oz. Hey, and I would like you to meet Vlad Vyman. Vlad, how are you? I'm doing well, although I feel like singing this old Elvis song. What's that? Kentucky rain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rain in my shoes and, th- and things like that because it's just so wet. Outside. So, Vlad, you're, you're a professor at, at California Lutheran University School of Management, uh, our, one of our sponsors. Indeed, I am. And uh, uh, i, I got to say, a source of great conversations. We've had, I don't know, we've probably Ka- had... Cal is or Val? <laughs> Vlad, Vlad is going to be. Okay. But the, the people that we've had from CalLU come up and talk have been... Uh, just very interesting. I don't normally get to talk to professors, and I really enjoy that. And uh, I did a little homework and asked some folks like what we should talk about. One of the things I want to talk about, though, is your accent. Your accent. Yeah. And what accent? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's us who has the accent. Okay. I <laughs> love that. Well, I have an accent. So, um, where, where did you? Where were you born? Well, um, actually, I was born in Moscow, in Russia. Wow. Yeah. Um, at the age of 21, I left my native country, went to study in the United States, uh, got my MBA uh, at the University of Wyoming, out of all places. Oh, from <laughs> Moscow to Wyoming? Yeah, from the city of 10 million people to the state of 500,000 people, yeah. and to the, to the university town of about 30,000 people. How many of them were Russian? Uh, none. You? <laughs> you, were, you were it? Yeah, I was the, the only one there. Not that many foreigners, uh, foreign students uh, at that time either. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, beginning of the 90s. You were a pioneer. I was a pioneer indeed in a, in a country of pioneers. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So born in, what was, uh, up until 21, so you didn't leave early. I mean, the, r- Russia's in the news a, a lot right now. Not, not all good stuff. But I, I, give me a different, paint me a different picture of what it's like growing up there. Uh, well, it was uh, during the times of the Soviet Union, and uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, my childhood was uh, quite good. Mm-hmm. We didn't think about uh, you know, freedom of speech or freedom of movement or anything like that. We just lived our lives. Um, I would say maybe even quite privileged lives because uh, we were Moscovites. And, you know, all the supplies, everything good about, about Russia, you know, the theaters, culture was all concentrated in Moscow and St. Petersburg. So uh, growing up uh, in those places was quite nice. We were exposed to all this culture early on. And, uh, you know, good thing about Soviet Union, uh, among many other, you know, things that might not be, uh, you know, so good, um, was that um, our parents could afford... Uh, give us an excellent education. What did your parents do? Uh, my parents are retired right now. What did they do then? They were working in the oil and gas industry uh, during sure. the Soviet time, and it, it was, you know, uh, providing us with, with uh, good living. And every year I would go to the Black Sea uh, resorts to Crimea mm. to, you know, to um, children camps, uh, summer camps. So, you know, for a couple of months, and it would cost my parents probably around twenty-five dollars U.S. Wow! Yeah, even though they were making maybe around three hundred dollars, but still, for a couple of months, the yeah. Black Sea, not too shabby. Wow! 
Tell and, me about the food at the Black Sea, because I know you love you love to eat, and I, I was a chef for many years, mm. and, and so I'm thinking, do you have food memories of those trips to the Black Sea? Uh, seafood mostly, yeah. shellfish, uh, fish. You know, it was it, it was good, but I didn't think much about food back then when I was you know growing up. When twelve, I was ten, eleven, right. twelve. <laughs> right. Uh, I was thinking more about uh, swimming as much as I could and enjoying myself as much as I could. So what was it that caused you to think I want to go to the U.S. and I want to go to get, I want to go into a management career? Uh, it was a funny story actually. Um, when um, I finished my first university, my specialty was also oil and gas industry. I'm a mechanical engineer oh, by okay by trade. Uh, even though I have to say that I have never worked as a mechanical engineer, <laughs> even a day. Not even a day. Not even a day in my life. So um, it was a collapse of the Soviet Union, mm. uh, and uh, the borders have opened, and there were so many opportunities for people oh, got it. Um, around the country. So I um, was able to get some contacts through our university in Moscow to um, uh, University of Wyoming, also oil and gas uh, department. Right. Department of Engineering responsible for oil and gas. And they invited me to continue my education uh, there to get my master's degree. So I went over with my wife. I was 21, she was 19. We just got married. Hmm. So, by the way, this July, 25 years together. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Was that a hard thing to, to convince her that you were going to go to Wyoming? No, it was, you know, at this at that age, you know, when you're 21 or even 19, even more so. Did you meet her here or there? There. We were, you know, high school, I wouldn't oh, say it. sweethearts. I wouldn't say because we didn't like each other in high school. <laughs> uh, only afterwards, right? So, yeah, uh, we went to Wyoming, and um, the dean of graduate school looked at me, listened to me, and he said, why do you need engineering? I said, what do you mean? Well, this is my specialty. Look at me. I'm a you know, mechanical engineer. He said, you know what? We don't have any international students in uh, business school. Why don't you go get an MBA? I said, I have no idea about business. You know, I've never taken any marketing courses or finance courses, accounting courses. He said, never mind. You know, just take a one year to get through those courses first, uh, like a common body of knowledge courses, and then you can go for your MBA. And that's how it all started. Uh, so, so you, but you yeah. trusted him. You, you what right. he said to you made sense, or like somehow, somehow he convinced you. Oh yes, absolutely. Again, at, at twenty one, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I knew that I was an engineer. I, I, I knew also that I, I was probably not going to be a great engineer. <laughs> 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 and uh, I thought, well, you know, let's try. Let's try it out and see what happens. What was your favorite part? What was the biggest surprise of that? I mean, so it's all new. You hadn't even considered it. You said, okay, I'm going to take it on faith. I'm going to go into this. Did, was there an area of business? Because there's lots of ways you could have played that that you found that you really liked. Uh, at first, I, uh, I knew I would, what I didn't like. Okay. It was accounting. Okay. So you're not <laughs> the numbers guy. Not necessarily back then. I, I couldn't understand what it was all about, you know, because mm. if you don't have real work experience, you don't really relate right, to accounting. Right, you right, don't right, understand, right. you know, cash flows, income statements. What the heck is that? So, uh, but then I kind of started getting into it and I found out that soft subjects, so-called soft subjects, such as human resources, organizational behavior, uh, organizational dynamics, um, it's uh, you know, something that I would be interested in in the future. And so I started uh, digging deeper and uh, started thinking about it more. You um, are a noted scholar now, uh, these 25 years later, in talent management. And we've talked about talent on the show a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's the number one resource that we have in our, our businesses, our people. Um, it's where we spend most of our money is, is on our mm -hmm. people. What is it about, and, and you said two key words, you said organizational dynamics and organizational behavior. Both those things are fascinating to me, how large groups of people work together effectively. Mm -hmm. what, what was it that got you on that path? Because you've been doing, I mean, you're noted internationally in that area. What was it that really said, that's, that's the area I want to focus on? Um. Probably first and foremost, it was the influence of my uh, mentor 
and uh, my one of my professors at the University of Wyoming mm. uh, was a guy who used to be an HR director for New York Times Corporation. Oh. Yeah, he retired from there, and he went to... Uh, Big ranch in Wyoming. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. By the way, he's back uh, back to New York right now. Uh, so. And Okay, so now this is important. You're still in touch with him. Yes, I am. See, I that's am. the real... Yeah. The mentor is that one that you're... They're with you for life. That's right, and I think it's very important, uh, you know, either for uh, scholars or for engineers or mathematicians, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. If you have a great mentor that can take you through the entire journey, not only professionally, but also personally, sure. um, I think it's a great deal. Uh, you know, it helps you a great deal. What's his and, name? Let's give him a shout out. Uh, Martin Greller. Got it. Martin Got it. Greller. Yeah. And so what was it that, so he was your mentor, but wh what is it? Because talent management is, is not easy. No, and it's a relatively new uh, subject, um, and it kind of um, crystallized out of HRM, out of human resource management as a subject. Um, and it's somewhere in the intersection of human resource management and organizational behavior. Because it's not uh, what HR managers necessarily do. That's what HR managers help organization leaders do. Because um, talent management is a prerogative of organization leaders more than... Why do you explain that a little more? Well, um, talent management is about um, attracting, developing, motivating, and retaining top organizational talent. And, for example, the first thing, attracting, is not only about, uh, you know, recruiting and advertising and things like that. It's more about organizational culture. It's more about becoming uh, or being a magnet, talent magnet. Mm, I and love it that. All, yeah, and it all comes from uh, the top of the organization. It all comes from organizational leadership. Can you, do you think that there's, there's places to compensate for that? Like if, if you don't have leadership that's particularly dynamic or particularly attractive, how do you, how would, what's the compensation concept? Like you have to fix it somewhere along the line or you have to make that leader more? Attractive. Well, usually talent management efforts come from from the top of the organization. Uh, if you are a smart uh, middle manager, you can try to explain to your top leadership what talent management is about and why it's important. And that's why uh, we work with a lot of HR managers mm. um, to help them understand their role in managing talent in companies. So I, I like that. I hadn't heard that that for. I like. As listeners to the show know, I like <laughs> lists of things. It makes it easy for me to understand. I can remember that. So we said attracting, developing. This is as it relates to talent, retaining and motivating. Um, I was talking, I had a conversation with someone who I hope to have on the show here in the, in the upcoming months. Um, and I think her clients are going to be HR managers mm -hmm. for the service that she's going to be providing to them. But it was specifically, I said, you need to show them how your service makes their business better so that they can attract talent better, exactly. which really gets to the culture piece. And it's speaking right. Absolutely. Do you think that most HR managers get the importance of these four? I mean, if, they're, if they develop superpowers in these four things, they're going to be successful. I think they do understand the importance. I think, I think they do realize uh, how essential it is for companies. But in many cases, they're not uh, so-called strategic partners of top leadership. Hmm. Uh, many companies, or actually I should say many leaders, see them as purely administrative and purely technical folk. Right, benefits. Benefits, and pensions, right. this and that, monitoring and compliance monitoring. Um, but that's uh, human resources is so much more than that. No, absolutely. So uh, talk to me. So we talked about attracting a bit. What about developing? So that's the training and development aspect of it where it seems like that's the first thing that gets cut in bad times in businesses. That's right. Well, development, development actually is uh, a little bit more than just training. Training is what helps you do your current job better. Development uh, prepares you for uh, your future assignments. Uh -huh. Um, for example, if one takes uh, an MBA course or an MBA program, right, um, that's development because he or she is preparing uh, him or herself 
to advance in their career, whether, whether it's the same company or right. with, you know, other companies elsewhere. So that's, uh, that's what development is all about. It's about preparing yourself for future career, for future assignments. So is the burden there on the employee or on the manager? I think both, both. Uh, employees uh, should uh, really be open about development uh, opportunities and they should say, well, you know, I'm here with this company in the long run and I would like to develop and grow with this company and I feel that there are certain skills, knowledge, ability that I'm missing and that I'm lacking. So would you help me achieve those heights? And leaders on the other side um, should say, you know what, we have some money for development and we want to develop our future leaders and uh, they should choose a group of people who want to develop A because it has to be voluntary and who are high potential. So let's stay with high potential for a okay. second because that's where I was hoping you were going to go. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I've had an opportunity to work with those groups in many, many different opportunities, you know, different engagements I've had uh -huh. with my clients. I like, I, I look at them as the, you know, the, the cream of the crop, the, you know, the, right. the top people that you really want to invest time and energy and I've, I've just onboarded a group of 52 of them wow. uh, with uh, J. Walter Thompson Company mm -hmm. and I just love being around those people because they they look at them as you have to have been in the company three to five years to participate mm -hmm. and to be that but then we know that you're going to go places and we you know hopefully you're going to do that here at, at the company and when you're around that kind of energy that's where I'm saying the, the is the the burden on the employer then is to create the space for that to happen, but it's really the person wants to develop their own self and it's that's right right. You could not and you should not develop anybody against their will. Uh, there are many employees who are happy to work from nine to five and then go home and forget about everything until the next morning. Right. And as long as they perform well and they uh, do whatever is asked of them. Uh, you don't really need to bother them. You know, let right. them work. You don't need to develop them. Uh, those who want to be developed, uh, you know, on the one hand, on the other hand, you look at the pool of those who want to be developed and uh, choose the high potentials from that pool. So how do you do that? Because that's that's tough. Because that's a tough. that's an art. That's not a science. I mean, as much as <clears throat> I'm a numbers guy. I mean, mm -hmm. from a software point of view, I'd like to have an AI that would tell me which ones. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> right, that would be fantastic. But uh, we don't. W what are the? What would you say are the leading indicators that you you notice? Oh, there, you're one. I can tell you're one. Yeah, there are some quantitative and qualitative uh, indicators. Of course, uh, quantitative indicators um, can be measured through um, HR. Uh, sorry. I should say talent analytics. They look at different parameters of your performance uh, throughout the years and uh, look at uh, whether or not your performance goes up, how your motivation um, is doing, and you know they can measure th those things now. Uh, qualitatively, though, that's why it's both science and yeah. arts. Yeah. Qualitatively, though, you need to just sit down and talk face to face and say, well, where do you see yourself in five years from now? Do you see yourself still with our company or, uh, you, you know, and people, especially younger generation, they, they are quite open about it. Um, and uh, it's not necessarily about promotions. It's about themselves. It's about their skills, their, their, their um, knowledge, their ability, expertise. People want to develop. Those who want to develop, they want to develop, develop for themselves. They want to be employable. So if you find this marriage of people who want to be, uh, employable in the future with all those sets of skills, etc., etc. On the one hand, and on the other hand, um, you will find that these people are motivated, and you will find that these people have high potential, also through different uh, quantitative methods. Then you would like to engage those people into your um, developmental programs. How, how does a how is a high potential different in a team setting? What are the things I would notice, what behavioral things would they do that are different? Well, they display clear leadership abilities. Okay. Uh, ability to lead the team, not, not necessarily tell people what to do, because it's not necessarily leadership, right? <laughs> but be inspiring, be able and willing to um, 
show by example. Doesn't matter where they are in the food chain, absolutely, organizationally, absolutely they're going to... It doesn't matter. Absolutely doesn't matter. So, again, if you have some uh, leadership abilities, if you're able to inspire and lead people, uh, if you're able to convince people that your way is probably one of the best ways to accomplish something. Um, That's a big one, isn't it? It is a big one. And there are so many egos. And especially, you know, <laughs> I work sometimes with companies. And when you get to uh, work with creative companies, especially with software engineers, for example, sure, computer sure. programmers, um, and other types of uh, creative folks, they tend to be uh, rather difficult to lead. Why so is that? It, well, because it's like herding kittens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because all of them uh, think of themselves as uh, creative geniuses and delicate flowers. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Flower genius and kittens you, all in the same sentence. Yeah, I'm but sorry do, about that. Do you, no, do you, no. Do you think that, that is, do you think that that's a unique uh, perspective to you because you are, come from uh, a different country or you have, you have a different background growing up? Like is this, or is this not unique to America? Oh, no, no, it's not unique to America. Yeah. It's quite universal. Everybody wants to feel like they themselves are, are um, uh, uniquely important. Yeah, and that's why we start working with people with those high potentials um, from developing self-awareness mm. because you need to understand mm. who you are Sure. And what you can do, what you cannot do before you can go and uh, explore developmental opportunities. Because if you think that you know everything, if you think that you are already a very accomplished person, and it's a problem sometimes with some millennials, by the age of 21, 22, they think, okay, you know, now I've got my education under my belt, and uh, I know everything now. I might so as well just move to Wyoming. Exactly. Or <laughs> expect, pro expect promotions every three months. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the case that you should give them promotions just because they want pro be pr to be promoted. You need yeah. to understand who you are, you are personally and professionally, where do you stand, where do you want to go, where do you want to be in, in a few years. And that's the first step. Uh, and that's why sometimes uh, we start with or uh, we start from working with, uh, you know, high potentials first. And then we start working also with um, leaders. And then, you know, when everybody gets understanding of what needs to be done, then we kind of bring them together and start uh, start working. I'm just so fascinated with this part because the attention span of that of people is so short. Very short. <laughs> and it's yeah. um, and and if I work with someone over you know a, a extended period of time, I get to know them, and I I I will understand whether they're high potential or not. Let's think, though, about the person who is growing their business. They're adding people, again, adding that most precious resource. Is there a – now, I don't know this person. I've, I have them in for a half an hour. I've looked at their paper, and I don't really care about mm -hmm. that. I want to sit and talk to them. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you might notice about people? I mean, I know, like you said, you knew what you didn't want to do. I know within 90 seconds that I don't want to hire someone, mm -hmm. but I – if I'm, let's say, okay, I like this person. Now I want to figure out what it is that I like about them. Why do I do that? Can you know that they're a high potential in that short period in a 30-minute interview or an hour interview? Or is that something that really develops over time? I think it develops over time. Of course, there's uh, such thing as gut feeling. Right? That's what you have, right? When yes. you said in 90 seconds, I can tell you exactly whether, whether or not I want to hire this person. Uh, I usually recommend executives to go beyond gut feeling because sometimes um, it's not um, it's not 100 percent proof that you I, can do i that. absolutely agree right. <laughs> number absolutely. one and sometimes there are people who are a little bit introvert and it's very difficult to gauge them mm -hmm. it's very difficult mm -hmm. to get something mm -hmm. out of them in 30 minutes even one hour interview mm -hmm. especially if they're uh you know in professional services like accountants you know there's a joke about accountants if you're a dynamic i'm sorry <laughs> What's the joke if, yeah. if you're a dynamic leader but you need an accountant you don't want to hire a dynamic leader to be your accountant necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what they say about accountants? They say, well, introvert accountants, they, when they talk to you, they look at their shoes. And extrovert, <laughs> look at your shoes. So, uh, that's, that's a that's, good job. Yeah, that's but good the, job. The, well, that's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> More than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing against accountants, by the way. Love them, love them. Some of your, some of your best friends are accountants, I'm sure. Uh, well... Yes, <laughs> some as, of them. As, yeah. as it turns out. Yeah. So the, the third thing then was on retaining. 
What are, what are some of the superpowers you need to have on retaining? Well, first of all, you need to make sure that people don't want to leave you. Uh, and that is done through wonderful, strong organizational culture. So it gets back to culture. Gets back to culture. That's number one. Number two, you need to give people independence, autonomy in what they do. You cannot micromanage. And many managers, unfortunately, are not able to let go. You need to stop micromanaging. Uh, people want to have an understanding boss. Understanding boss, I don't mean that the boss should be uh, extremely sensitive or extremely, um, um, what's the word here? Um, Was it compassionate? No, no, it it has, he or she has to be compassionate. But I, I'm not saying that understanding boss, um, it, it's not necessarily for understanding boss to be a soft boss. That's mm. the word I wanted to use. Uh, compassionate, A, be emotionally intelligent, mm. right? And C, understanding where you're coming from, your problems, your issues. That's so the, what you want so to the have boss your is boss. all about your success, not about their success? Well, they have to be also about your success. Yeah. Of course, they should care about their own success. No, no, no issue there. But of course, they need to care about you. That's why I tell people, I tell managers, you need to know your people very well. You need to get to know them, spend your time. And uh, sometimes they say, well, we don't have much time to, you know, sit down and talk to our people. Because who's going to do our work while we're talking? But I said, well, this is That's your work. Yeah, this <laughs> is a big part of your work because you need to know your people in order to understand what motivates them, what demotivates them, uh, what, the, what the family situation is. Uh, how can you help in order to make them more productive? Do you think that this is an area where managers fall down? Like they oh, might yeah. be, they, because well, no I've heard that it. people don't quit the business, they quit their manager. Oh, that's good. The CEO of Uber just, I think, yesterday had a, a large like conference call with all of the drivers, and uh, gave him thirty minutes to to answer, you know, to answer questions. Answered like twelve questions of like five hundred that were posed, uh, and that was one of the great criticisms was to say like, this person is not the the CEO is not paying attention to what our struggles are. They're right. not keeping. We're the drivers that made his business right. we are his business and right. he's not giving us any answers because he's not taking more than 30 he he's too like what else is he doing but playing golf today that he right. can't take more than 30 minutes to yeah. be with us was the major criticism right. of that so i mean echoes exactly what you're saying yeah and that's what turns people away from companies yeah. the best employees usually the best employees are the first ones to go yeah right mm. right because they're the most employable and they know that they will find jobs elsewhere uh so in another part in the retention uh, so i said uh, it's about understanding boss, it's about autonomy, and it's also about interesting and challenging job. Mm. Um, I did some research, um, when was it? It was 2003, probably. And things haven't changed since then. Uh, there, there were five top, top five reasons why people leave their organizations. Um, and one of them was a lack of autonomy. It's not an order of right. importance. Lack of challenging and interesting job was number two. Yep. Uh, number three was, um, did I say lack of autonomy? Yes, yes. I yes. did. Uh, number three was um, inadequate compensation. Mm. Uh, not only money, but also benefits and free time and, you know, um, all other things. And uh, uh, number four was uh, something else. I don't remember anymore. But uh, I worked with a client who had... 150,000 employees yeah. worldwide, and they had done a survey, and I had been brought in to help them as a result of this survey. The number one reason people left was that they weren't being utilized to their full potential. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how would you respond to that? Actually, I just remember that number one in this list was lack of uh, growth opportunities. Mm -hmm. Lack of growth opportunities. That was number one. The, the, you know, that was the big one, actually. I don't know why it slipped my mind because my sh my my feet are cold. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Not but, used to that. But yeah. but yeah. what we wanted to do was surface what everybody's skill sets were because mm -hmm. you uh, again if we think that the managers aren't if I'm spending time with you I know what you're good at because I'll I'm going to ask you that question mm -hmm. but. If I'm not asking that, we try to analytically try to figure out where the skills were and say, oh, hold it. You're, you know, in your last four jobs, you did this. 
Now, in this job, we're not taking advantage of that. Maybe we should. It seems like a silent killer, right? Like, well, What do you mean? Well, just in the sense that, that somebody's not telling you that they don't feel satisfied and, and that they're reaching their full potential until the day they, until their exit interview. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they say, you yeah. didn't give me enough. You didn't never, you never acknowledged or realized uh, what I could get done. It, it's like, it's, it's, you don't hear people saying like, I have to leave because I need a break and I want to spend more time with my family. That's a very like high end. Yes. Uh, you know, most people leave because if, if that number one is true, then mm-hmm. it, it, but it seems like a silent killer. Like, like how do you get to a person to evaluate them and say, uh, you know, I, do you feel fulfilled or am I giving you, am I giving you the right kind of challenges? Cause everybody can feel overworked, but the right kind of work. Well, we usually say that talent is only valid uh, within the context. Mm. So if you take, for example, um, I don't know, you take Einstein and have him play piano, although he probably could. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking because he played a violin. But just, you know, just well, for something. argument's sake. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. the argument's sake. Or, or take Mozart and ask him to crunch the numbers. Yeah. And he would not be able to do it just because he's not talented at that part. Genius, right. Right? clear genius, proven genius, but can't. But can do that, yeah. It's fine because he is not cut mm-hmm. to do this kind of thing. So we need to put him by the piano, and then he will show us his talent. Yeah. Right? So it's the same thing in the company. But uh, many people think that it's only manager's fault. But it's also your fault as an employee. You need to open your mouth, and by the way... Uh, Gen, gen, gen Xers like me uh, or uh, baby boomers, they're not really used to doing that. Right. Millennials are, and they, they're quite open with that. They're saying, you know what? I think my best talent lies in the area of ABCD, and I would like you to try me out in this area. And that's what we need to do. So it's, it's not only uh, fault of, of the employers that people leave, but also employees themselves need to um, stand up for uh, for what they, they believe in. Well, had had somebody not said to you, you should try out business, you'd be a, a, a mediocre me- mechanical engineer right now. Uh, worse than that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, what I mean, like like you're, you that illustrates your point perfectly. Right. That, that that you know, you at twenty one in your generation was was it ne- you needed somebody to come forward and push you versus versus yeah. the millennials are very good at. at, at That's right. Forward. I was uh, you know I didn't know what I wanted, and if, even if I did, I would probably not disclose that because I, I would think that uh, the, the, the role that is given to me or the path that is given to me is my path. That's what I have to do. I mm. have to do, right? That's not necessarily mm. what I want to do. Mm. Uh, so the fourth yeah. piece on that, bringing us back, is... <laughs> I think you're crunching numbers over there, Mark. I, I don't am, know. If he's trying I to am, do analytics. Yeah. I am. The fourth is, and the fifth. Is motivating. Yeah. So you yeah. said that fourth, that fourth thing or that the managers so again uh, attracting uh, development retaining and motivating mm-hmm. so what are the unique things around motivation i mean i i as a i think of gamification <laughs> is 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 a motivating strategy for some for some for some uh for uh, millennials for example and for the upcoming z generation mm-hmm. oh, is that what we're calling is that what it is yeah wow. After Break, millennials. breaking news breaking no. news. <laughs> i'm sorry i, I didn't know it's... this i gotta catch up it'll it'll i you know i mean that's the thing with the name is like it bounces around bounces around and then the least likely journalist gets to name a generation every generation that we've got that has been named by like just a minor article a minor insignificant And that's article. what happened, then everybody picks up on yeah, it. Yeah, there was no conference where everybody got together and went, no. okay, everybody all in favor <laughs> of millennial. Good, sounds good. We're good. Oh, half, oh, we've got some dissenters. What, do you, what would you prefer? No, it's just Okay, like, so the, up, it's yeah. the I'm disease. Kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that they started from the end. You know, uh, Generation X, then Y, millennials, yeah, and then yeah. Z. And then what's next? Well, it was X because they didn't have a name, right? Is that why they did that? G- generation X? Yeah, what do we call them? We had greatest generation, we had boomers, we had generation X. What? No, I, I, I don't know why. X, I, we, you know, being two Xers sitting here with a boomer, we'd, we'd probably uh, have to go look it up on something like a Google or something. So again, <laughs> someone is shouting at us right now saying, here's the answer. The guys. vague, the vague haunting fog in the back of my mind tells me that, that there, that I've read the article that talks about how X came around. Got it. But I, so motivating them and motivating is, is, is different. I mean, you have to be generational, right? It is different. And you know what's interesting? For uh, older people, um, main motivator is still compensation and um, work-family balance. 
<laughs> that sounds like such an old term, but I, I know, know you're right. I know. Yeah, but I've, I know it. I know well, what you mean by that. Yeah, we've, we've, we've been through this. Yeah, we grew up, and that's what everybody would say is work-family balance. The work-family balance. People would like to retire early. People would like to spend more time with their families, you know, see their kids grow, blah, blah, blah. Uh, for Number one for millennials is clearly flex time. They don't care. Uh, yeah, flex time, and uh, which includes... Or maybe you know, it, it's a second one if you would like to number them. Flex time number one, <laughs> and number two is flexible work arrangements. What does that mean? It means that it doesn't matter where you work physically, as as right. as long as you uh, complete your task, finish your project, or whatever you've been assigned, you're good. So, in a big word, just flexibility. Flexibility. Yeah. Well, I know that that was a. A big, a big thing in New York was because the rent was so high. Let's right. let's get out of these expensive buildings, and it's okay to let people work at home. And n- now we have this workforce that is working from home mm-hmm. in many cases. And you miss one of the great things about work is the social interaction. Unfortunately, that's true. That's true. But you know, I, I uh, visited one interesting company up in Silicon Valley, uh, one of the uh, recent startups. You know, I'm not going to name names, uh, but what they do is they provide is they provide complete flexibility to their employees who are mostly millennials. So basically, you can come to work at eight, you can come to work at eight in the evening, 24-hour shuttle that can take you home if necessary and when necessary. But your time is not limited to necessarily eight hours from nine to five. You how can come to work at any time. How do they distribute the workflow? Well, by projects. Literally, like here's a project. Yeah, here's a project. Here's your team. Here's the project. And you have 30 days. And managers don't really care how they do it, where they do it, and when they do it. As long as it arrives here. on Exactly. And on budget. (laughs) So what other motivators are there? In general or for uh, millennials? Well, I'm just, I'm thinking, let's let's be more, maybe more general. Mm -hmm. Because the person who's listening might be thinking, how do I motivate my people? You know, it's like I've got a certain amount of money and that's all I can do. Is it, you know, is this where we find the things like the ping pong tables and the free lunches <laughs> and right. the, and the per, is it, is, are perks fall under the motivating category? Yes, definitely. Perks fall in, into that category, 100%. Um, and also, again, it goes back to knowing your people. Because if you know that Jack, for example, has a huge family, and he's, yeah, he is motivated by money, but he's more motivated by uh, Friday off. Mm. So reward Jack by giving him one of the Fridays off. Just because he did something that you were expecting to do, and maybe he ex- exceeded your expectation. Jane is a young employee, and she needs to, and she wants to uh, get some, you know, gain some capital a little bit, maybe just to... Uh, I don't know, have a down payment on her new apartment, motivate Jane with money. Friday is less important to Jane. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, she'll catch up on Saturday yeah. with her so social this, life. So this gets back to um, having that converse, ongoing conversation and re- really understanding them enough. So, so, so the perks and everything are, are then targeted per individual or are going to be more effective if they're targeted. They have per, to be targeted, yes. They have to be targeted. They have to be targeted. And again, unfortunately, we go back to uh, managers not having time, or at least saying that they don't have time to do it, don't have time to talk to people, don't have time to retarget rewards, don't have time to uh, motivate properly. But again, if you don't have time to do it, uh, performance of your employees will be less than optimal, which will reflect back on you as a manager. Right. I I think about the cruise ship. You remember Love Boat, the, the sure. TV show Love Boat? Sure, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, there were people who were in charge of the different components of your experience while you were there. And I think it sounds like in business so often there's just kind of like you're the manager of this team, so manage this team and take care of all of their needs. Y- you know, and I, I feel like, like, because as you're saying that, like the manager doesn't have time to go and check and learn them. It's like, oh, you need a bursar. Like you need a you need a a, a, a a person who essentially is checking in emotionally with those people. Well, it's you know, y- what you are saying is, is very close to what I was going to say right now, is that uh, you need to, ch- as a manager, you need to change your mind frame a little bit uh, from being a manager 
which means go and do it, you know, and report back to me, to a coach. Mm. Mm-hmm. Coach, coach mm-hmm. who says, let me help you yeah. do this task. Let me show you how this task might be accomplished. Let me take you through the journey. It's not a military lineup where it's like I'm the colonel and you're the, the sergeant and there's underneath you are privates. Where, where it's like I, I get orders, those orders get passed down yeah. and they get executed. And then you don't ask questions. You don't ask questions. So are, are great leaders great coaches? Great managers are great coaches. Oh, great managers are great yeah. coaches. What is the... I, I think of uh, Maslow's hierarchy yeah. of needs and I think about... The, you just did that with your hands. I'm sorry, <laughs> for our radio audience, I made a triangle. There you go, thank you. Uh, the... I think of two things that when I think about what motivates me and and I try to be as aware as I can when I'm working with others and it's uh, significance and recognition and significance and connection. Mm -hmm. People want to feel significant and they want to feel connected. Mm -hmm. That might be love. That might be feeling part of a team. But but those two things um, are what what I go to. What is the role then of Rec- how important is recognition, even if it's just like a shout out in the newsletter or, or just a boss, thank you or just it could yeah. be as simple. That's free, right? It's that, free. Right. Do people, do managers use recognition enough? I don't think so, unfortunately, but, but they should because recognition is one of those motivators we were talking about yeah. before. Um, you know, sometimes Managers forget about an important thing. They say, they, or they think at least, that if they provide adequate work uh, room, for example, uh, adequate equipment, proper lighting, comfortable chair, uh, breaks every so often, that's, uh, you know, their job is done. No, you have just taken care of hygiene factors. Those mm. without which people <coughs> will not just come to work or will just keep <laughs> leaving. Yeah, right. right? But then, after you take care of those factors, you need to take care of motivators. And motivators, even though some t- people say money is not a motivator, I think it is motivator. But besides money, you also need to use things like recognition, um, things like um, flex time, things uh, like um, using flexible work arrangements, and many, many other motivators that you know uh, are quite generational too. So. So we've been talking about adults, right? Adults and young adults coming in. But I know that you also have a passion for kids, that you did something called, you're currently doing something called Startup Kids. Yes, indeed. And so now, so now I've got this Startup Kids. So Startup to me is starting up a business, and mm-hmm. I've got these, um, I've got the young adults or kids in there. Yeah. How do we, these are high-order concepts we're talking about, very nuanced kinds of concepts what speak to me like I'm one of those startup kids on the importance of nurturing and growing my team well, how do you put this 45 minute conversation into kids speak that really helps them well we don't talk to them uh, about the importance of the team we try to show them an, an example uh. put them in teams or in groups and we talk to them about uh, potential leaders in the group that you need to choose a leader not us hmm. right hmm. and this leader doesn't mean that if he or she is a leader that this person will give commands because that's how kids sometimes think right yeah go clean your room you that's get what to parents say yeah, <laughs> yeah. the leader gets to pick which position I play on the on the sport or whatever yeah so you choose the leader you choose the person who would coordinate as mm. opposed to give commands and kids understand that. They understand it very well. They look at, uh, you know, sometimes the way the parents talk to them and they try to reflect it and portray right. it sure. in life. Sometimes, And we sometimes have to correct this uh, behavior. Um, just saying, you know what, maybe instead of telling this person what to do, why don't you show him or her, you know, how to do it? And they do understand this. They, they, they do understand, on the, you know, the, the group dynamics on, on a very specific level which is very difficult to explain. We worked with fourth graders, uh, with the uh, parents and, or partners in education. What, what grade do you think is like the right, because I know you work at, ele- this is an elementary school program. Yeah. Is uh, it the sixth graders? 
I would say fifth and sixth graders would be the best uh, in terms of their comprehension skills and in terms of the um, you know knowledge that they already have and ready to receive. So I, w- I would say fifth and sixth graders. Can you can you spot the leaders pretty quickly? Oh yeah, immediately. Ninety oh, Im- seconds. No, immediately. Ninety, 90 seconds. seconds. Ninety seconds. Oh, I love that. Yes, 90 seconds. And, you know, it's, it's pretty universal, too. Uh, what I mean, it's not really culturally contingent. You can see, because uh, besides uh, U.S., uh, which I moved to uh, in, you know, 25 years ago, after that, we lived in Canada for 15 years. A uh, f- couple of years in Switzerland, four years in Austria, and five years in Iceland before coming back to the United States. And anywhere I, I, I would end up, I can make those, uh, you know, conclusions you can see a kid or you can see a person in 90 seconds you can Mm. say again it's your gut feeling that this person is going to be a leader one day because he or she is one now and it's very fascinating and they cannot explain it themselves right right they don't even understand it most of the time right what they do see and they do understand that people follow them and it's Maybe because of charisma that they have at this early age, or maybe it's because of the strong values that they hold. But that's mag- that, that magnetic ability mm. to no, That was the word that people. was said when you said that. I was thinking magnet, right? Yeah, attract, that's magnetic ability. Attract, that's what right. charisma is. Right. Magnetic ability to attract people and inspire them to follow you. That's what it's all about. And if you don't have charisma, you can substitute it with strong values. Not huh. everybody has charisma. Huh. And you cannot oh, teach it or it. learn it in school. So say that again. If you don't have charisma... You can substitute it with a set of strong values. That echoes so accurately in my head because I, I feel like uh, somebody who is consistent and has kind of uh, has a, a set of integrities, uh, it's like, yeah, I might, they're, not, they're maybe not the most charming person, but at least they're consistent. They're, you know, they do exactly what they say they're going to do, and they get it done, and it's and it's and so you can rely on it, and that reliability uh, adds a value that maybe makes it, yeah, definitely makes up that rings true in my head, makes up for. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is that's a great note to end on because people think, oh God, I don't have charisma, I'm not going to be a good leader, <laughs> or I'm or I'm I'm an, an introvert. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. It's like yeah. we I'm not the the loud one or the the extroverted one. And so there is hope for you, um, so which is great. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I, oh, there were some things we didn't get into. A uh, little bird told me that you love Austrian ham. Yes. <laughs> and I, I love I Spanish do. ham. I love jamón. Oh, oh okay. yes, ham. I have to go look Austrian. it up. So what makes Austrian ham so good? Uh, it's natural. Okay. So no preservatives, no uh, hormones, no antibiotics. It's air-dried, just like hamon yeah. is. Uh, and there's something, too, that I, I can't explain. It's just that magnetic ability. <laughs> <laughs> so Austrian ham has charisma uh, and great values. Sure. Let's okay. go with that. I love that. <laughs> uh, it, it is also now at this time in the show where we get to <clears throat> put a wrapper right. around it and we give it a title. And, and hopefully a little bird already told you about that. You've thought about this. What should we call this conversation? Um, I would say maybe citizen of the world or the global citizen or something like that. Okay, how do how do we ring that back to talent? Patrick. <laughs> oh, oh see know, how he did that Patrick? you know that was a really nice business skill there was to, yes. was to, to coach delegate, <laughs> to, delegate. Yeah, that's what we do deploy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I don't uh, I don't have, you know, this is interesting. Normally at the ends of these conversations, I have kind of a, a catchphrase that sticks out in my head that fits on a T-shirt. And I, um, I don't know, my brain's just kind of ringing from that concept of like values replacing charisma. Um, or not replacing, but supplementing or, or making up for. But that's not going to work. You know what, Mark? I'm confident that you're going to go back and listen to the show and figure it out. I and which is what I do. That's, see me that's that back my the table? job, right? That's the um, the monkey just dreamt around the table from yeah. face to face. Vlad, thank you so much. My pleasure. I appreciate it. People can find out about you uh, by just going to the California Lutheran University School of Management uh, website 
and uh, I'm also want to thank them again. I, I Gerhardt, uh, I know you listen to every one of these shows. Thank you so much for. Does your, he really? Is he, he like a number one he fan? Totally does. Oh, he listens cute. to them, he and yeah. he's he gets excited, and he's a great partner to have because it's. Um, he's looking at the overall success of the show is based on the content we have mm -hmm. and the quality of the people we have mm -hmm. and the quality of conversations that you'll listen through to the entire end, which we do. So I want to thank him. I also want to thank uh, Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Polstering Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. So now... If someone's been paying attention, they also know that it's right now when you're going to yeah. <laughs> explain how they could help. How, so let's let's practice your motivating yeah. skills right now. Okay. Um, uh, um, you want uh, them to r read, write, rank, and review. Oh, you're doing the – um, you're looking playing, at your shoes. I was looking at my shoes. And you're looking at my shoes. Uh, the best thing that you can do for us right now is, is is to reach out and find somebody that's not listening to a good podcast right now. They seem mm. a little down in the dumps. They're, they're oh. Maybe they're, they're, their oh. head's a little hung, and you think, like, oh, oh this this poor kid. They're just they're just having a rough time this year. Oh. You know what might make them feel better? It's mm. a really great podcast. Ooh. So grab their phone and uh, help them subscribe to this show and uh, let them get this content on a regular basis. And then rate, write, review. Send us some information. Let us know what we're doing right. And, of course, the last thing or maybe the first thing you should do every day is call your mom because she misses you and she needs to hear from you. Is every, that what you wanted? I, that's exactly yeah, okay. what I wanted. And I know that you love um, sending postcards to your mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's you know what? The people, every day you get Who this. Who does that? I say this all the time. You go to your mailbox every single day yep. hoping for a card actually to you. Yes. And the best way to do not that to is, occupant. Right. And the best or not a bill or not a yeah, generic thing or a credit card offer. So send send one to your to a family member that you that you miss uh, and that will make their Tuesday even better. I love that. And uh, I also would love to hear specifically from you if you have ideas of people we should talk to. Patrick, we're booking four months in advance now. I know it's, you say that, and it's like something you're very proud of, but for I me, am. it gives me some anxiety. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Because like, I can't, you can't leave. Can't. <laughs> that's this is that's my retention strategy. Nice working done. here, <laughs> and so you could drop me a note at mark at 805connect.com and uh, give me some ideas, or if you've got some uh, suggestions, I'd like to hear those as well. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>